Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante and with T. Frank Carr. And it's quarter number three of our show. That means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we have T. Frank answer your Penn State football or recruiting questions. And if you want to submit a question, really easy. Just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. And because this is the offseason, a little slower... Send us your questions, especially newbies. We want the new folks who haven't sent questions before. Send in your question. Label it that you're new. This is your first time sending a question. We'll make sure you get on the air with that question. By the way, at the end of the segment, we are going to pick a winner. We are going to pick a best question, and that winner will receive a copy of Why Penn State. That's the book by Greg Woodman. It's available at whypennstate.com. It's also available at Amazon, other places. It talks about when Penn State really became Penn State, and that was the decade of the 80s. T. Frank, you're too young to remember, but that was the decade with two national championships. I remember the era well. I remember the movies from the 80s because that's what my family watched. I have a bunch of older siblings, but no, I don't remember the sports of the 80s. Very special decade for Penn State. Penn State, Miami, Fiesta Bowl. Perhaps the biggest game in college football history, T. Frank. Study up on it and learn something. All right, let's get to our questions. Let's start with... um, Oh, this is a fun one. Let's start with Steve in Columbia, PA, who says, So, T. Frank, based on your NIL take, can we safely assume you are a bad tipper at restaurants? Steve Uh, says he's joking, of course, and he loves your takes and keep up the good work. Joke's on you. We don't go anywhere out to eat ever because uh, my wife can't eat gluten. So we never go out to eat, and I'm a guilty tipper, and I tip too much most of the time. Uh, so, so sorry, Steve, but no, I am not a bad tipper. <laughs> you used the tipping analogy a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, T. Frank, and Steve wanted to catch you on that. All right, let's go to Sam in Warren. Who says, with the addition of USC and UCLA, do you see Penn State and the rest of the Big Ten effectively recruiting Southern California more? Uh, By the way, grew up near Warren, so shout out to Warren, Pennsylvania. Um, Yes and no. It depends. <laughs> so it, it all so it always depends, right? Is USC going to have a, a rebound? Are they going to once they get on the Big Ten Network and have better resources? And assuming Lincoln Riley doesn't suck as a coach at USC, are they going to get better? And are they going to recruit California and LA better? Secondarily, other places have traditionally better ties in uh, California, especially and strangely, from what I've heard, uh, is Nebraska. And they are the farthest west of the Big Ten, so would they also recruit California a little bit better? Uh, and then does Penn State play on the West Coast a lot? Like, how does this shake out? Are there more teams that are joining that are going to create a West Coast division of the Big Ten? How, 
the future's wide open. So the answer could be yes. If, if Penn State is going out there and they're playing in California and they are a presence and all of a sudden uh, dudes love Penn State and they want to come to Happy Valley from the West Coast because there's, no, there's a lot of water here, uh, then I, you know, maybe. I don't know. Could be. Well, I think uh, James Franklin and their staff have shown a willingness to go out of their traditional region oh, yeah. of recruiting. Yeah. Uh, we've seen it in Florida. We've seen it in this year in Alabama. Remember seeing it in Michigan. Uh, yep. They've gone into Texas. So, you know, why not Southern California? Um, if, if they see an opportunity there, I think they will uh, go for it. All right, let's go to Alan in Lewisburg. And Alan says, hey, T. Frank, love your work. With a weaker offensive line... You can try to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quicker in the passing game. Are there things that you can do to help out the running game with a weaker offensive line? Have a really good running back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And have a really good quarterback. So so everything in football is kind of married together. If your quarterback threatens the team, the defense, uh, in deep passing and you've got a dangerous receiver, that takes some of the, the... pressure off the running game where you have to put, think about the Kansas City Chiefs think about all their great running backs over the last five years could you name one of them other than Clyde Edwards Alaire who also doesn't play a lot like they're all kind of replaceable because if you're a defense and you're playing Patrick Mahomes Tyreek Hill and um, uh, uh, d- 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 Travis Kelsey you're keeping two safeties deep you have to keep at least two safeties deep Uh, You're playing cover four. You're playing very conservative. You're giving them the ground game. And then you have production from your running backs. You have to be competent along the offensive line. But having a dangerous passing game opens up the running game. Secondarily, if you've got a dangerous running back, you can make a lot of stuff happen just because he makes the unblocked guy miss. And he get you know maybe he does something wrong. Like here's another thing that always works out for super talented runners. They run to the front side and they run out the front of the formation. They run into the blocking, essentially. Like they 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 run counter to where they're supposed to go. But they're faster than everyone else around them, so they break into open space and get yards. That's technically bad. Like if you if I were to be looking at that, I'd say okay, you ran towards you know you hurt your blockers, but because you're so fast. You made it happen. And, you know, speed and also tackle breaking and explosion, things like that. So there's a couple of different ways. And honestly, most of the modern schemes that you see are intended to alleviate pressure on the offensive line because they come from, they, they, they trickle upwards from lower levels that don't get elite talent on the offensive line. They're, they're, uh, they're aimed to diminish the, uh, the impact of the offensive line, both good and bad. And put the put the ball in space. Put the ball in the hands of elite athletes. Okay, let's move forward. Let's go to Jimmy in Forest City, who says, "T. Frank, when high school recruits are being offered NIL deals, are they one-year deals or intended to cover all three or four years at the university, or does it vary depending on the talent of the recruit?" Uh, I would say it's that last one, and then it's um, you know. If you've got in, some inside information into what's going on, uh, please send me an anonymous tip. 
or something like that so we can do some more in-depth reporting on NIL because no one's talking about it. Nobody's talking about these deals because technically it's illegal to be recruiting and inducing players with NIL money, which of course goes to the chicken and the egg of like, hey, we're not going to offer you anything, but I know that there's an $8 million deal waiting for somebody to play quarterback in Tennessee. You know what I mean? Like it's, It is all this very blurry gray line sort of recruiting. Um, but for my understanding, you're not paying eight million dollars a year for a player or one million, like because I, I heard somebody point out that that's more than rookies are getting in the NFL. If eight million dollars a year is more than a rookie sign, now they get their contract guaranteed, so they get forty million in the long run. But that would be uh, way more money than you should be paying for a freshman quarterback. Well, my understanding in reading a few articles and. Um specifically about Quinn Ewers, who went to Ohio State, sat on the bench for a year, then went back to Texas. Most of them, I believe, are set, even if they are a four-year thing, lawyers are part of this. So yeah. it's as long as you are enrolled and in good standing, you right. know, at, at here in Columbus. Yeah. So if he transfers, he gives the truck back, He, you know, yeah. That ends the contract, and those are the way things are worded. Remember, there are some smart people involved in this, and they're going to make sure they, that they um, protect their own interests. All right, let's go to um, Stephen Potomac, uh, and let me see if I could cut this down a bit. He's talking about you know the Big Ten expansion and reaching the point where you have both uh, the Southeast Conference and the Big Ten just overwhelming all of com- uh college football and dominating he asked if it reaches that point would they do a college football playoff analogous to the nfl with the afc and the nfc which would be playoffs within their own conference and ultimately the winners play each other yeah and i think that's a i think i i personally endorse that format because i love the nfl i'm a fan of football at that level so yeah i think that's a good idea and i think that's where we're heading but it's not going to be until after the college football playoff contract that is currently here until that is over and that might be two iterations from now because you've got to go through the consolidation which isn't going to happen overnight some of it's going to happen very quickly and some of it's going to be a slow attrition process because the acc is going to hold out and they're going to fight tooth and nail to survive but who knows if they're going to be able to so how long does it take to pry away the good schools from that area i don't know that uh but i would imagine if ultimately that is sort of where we're heading and you may not have a ton of cross inter uh, inter uh, conference play but you might have some so how it looks i don't know if it's going to be a pure copy of what the nfl does but it might be some version of that and also to understand you know the pac-12 big 12 may implode any day okay if a couple more teams get lost in the pac-12 one of the things you got to understand about the acc their grant of rights which means if clemson chooses tomorrow to go to the southeast conference the acc owns their media rights for the next 10 years or so i think it goes to like the year 2036 so the acc and their members are going to have to figure that out uh, let's quickly go to Brad in Percasy, who says, I personally don't mind James Franklin as a coach, but know a lot of people who don't like them, like him. With that being said, shouldn't those people be giving to NIL to watch Franklin coach himself out of a job? 
instead of giving him reasons uh, to that Penn State can't beat Ohio State. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I tend to have that personal opinion as well. It just becomes, are you willing to give $5 to somebody that makes you mad all the time? Um, and, and this is the thing, too, is now officially we're in July, and Patrick Kraft is now the AD at Penn State. So a lot of this NIL discussion is going to now funnel through the higher levels of, you know, James Franklin is still going to have a, a microphone in his face, and he's going to be asked about these things, but he doesn't have to use it as a bully pulpit anymore because somebody else is doing that work. So I think that's going to take a little bit of the pressure off of Penn State's NIL problems because the most divis divisive figure, who, you know, is James Franklin, is no longer beating the drum the loudest. At least that's the whole point of Patrick Kraft, is to be here and do that and take those administrative roles and those higher-level leveraging of finances and blah, 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 corporate, blah, 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 finance, blah, 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 money. So for Penn State fans, I hope for you that's how this works. And for James Franklin, it would be best if somebody else takes on that conversation. That is it for quarter number three. Stick around quarter number four. We'll name our winner. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. 